Hey, Elizabeth. Yes. Did you ever feel like you caught somebody in a lie? No. Oh, well, I, I have. Hang, I don't hang out with liars. And we're, we're going to be doing a mini, a mini, mini-sode about them liars. Kind of. It's so small. It's <laughs> so small. Actually, I'm kind of nervous because I got really, really, really into my side of the research on this, and I'm really scared it won't be an actual mini, but I'm going to do my best. Um, well, I think it's kind of hilarious when our minis are not minis. Honestly, though, like, this was such a good subject matter for me that it was, like, on the edge of Law & Order that I was just, like, like, deep diving into this so far. Um, so polygraph tests, um, we talked about this, what was it, on the last full-length episode? Which one was it? Why did we talk about I think about so, that? and we both were oh, just like, holy shit, why? Oh, it was about aliens, why... right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Would you take one? I mean, if it was a situation where, like, for some god-awful reason, polygraphs were seen as, like, hard evidence in a court... And something happened to a loved one and they, like, needed me to take a polygraph. Like, yeah, I would do it because I would never do anything to someone that I love. But I – it also brings me back to Carol Baskin a little bit. It does. And it's a funny response to that question, I think, coming from you. So I'm going to – we'll revisit that question at the end. Why? Well, we're going to talk about it. Okay. So polygraph tests – just kind of a fun factoid drink. Um, <laughs> so the FBI still does give polygraph tests to every single person who's considered for a job there. And when you take the DEA, CIA, and other government agencies into account as well, about 70,000 people a year end up submitting polygraphs um, while they're look- going through like security clearances for jobs uh, with the federal government that are like high-profile jobs, which is... I would have guessed a larger number, but I'm really bad at, at, like, estimating things like that, so. I wonder how many people they have doing that, because, like, I wonder what that Taking salary is. Taking them or, admini- or administering them? Administrating them. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. Uh, usually, I think there's a couple people that are involved, um, and I'll get to that, although at least that was uh, according to one particular source I looked at, but... Um, so this guy, Leonard Sachs, um, he's a psychologist at Brandeis University and he's done research into polygraphs. He says, this is a quote from him, there's no evidence whatsoever that things the polygraph measures, which is heart rate, blood pressure, sweating, and breathing are linked to whether you're telling the truth or not. So he actually did a, what he calls like a report, but I guess like a thesis, you could say, in 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually, after he released this research that he did, Congress ended up leading um, a, na- a nationwide ban on private employers giving polygraph tests to employees. So I would think that that ban would say like the company that you and I work for. Right. Like if one of us was like, 
I don't know, like accused of like stealing or something, or we were like, going to lose our jobs, that at this point, like they can't give us a polygraph test, I think is what that's saying. Um, because I, what was interesting about that is I read that and then it sort of contradicted with what it says about the FBI. So I think that's like two different situations. That I was going to ask, because it's like, if that protects you as an employee, then how would being a, um, an applicant make that any different you know what I mean so what I would suspect because what the polygraph test is really doing is measuring your blood pressure your sweat and your heart rate Mm -hmm. if you can pass it whether you're lying or whether you're telling the truth it might just be an indicator for that government agency that like you're good under pressure that's what I that's what I would maybe think is like why they might still kind of use it and snapster Um, yeah like you're able to kind of keep yourself cool like under you know those circumstances so um and then in 1998 there was a supreme court decision that ruled against the use of polygraphic evidence in federal courts Mm -hmm. um and their reasoning was because there's simply no consensus that a polygraph evidence is reliable uh did you get any stats on how often so i was really frustrated because after like an hour of deep diving into like all these different cases which when it comes time for me to talk about that I like feel some type of way about this because there were so many like I went so deep in like the innocence projects and (laughs) all that stuff but like I was like trying so many different phrases in Google to try to find statistics of like wrongful convictions or statistics of like um death penalties based on polygraphs and things like that I literally could not find any and it all just kind of Mm. boiled down to like it's a subjective test when it's going to be admitted into court when it used to be admissible evidence, right? So it was subjective right. at the time. So it's just like I, I really couldn't find much on it. Like I did a search on the Innocence Project um, website and I literally just searched polygraph and there were probably close to like 92 profiles that came up and I was just like, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> yeah. So basically previous to 1998, um, prosecutor pro- – prosecutors okay yeah prosecutors would often use polygraph tests to extract confessions from suspects um defense lawyers would use them for leverage and plea bargains and the Mm -hmm. military the military would use them to safeguard national security and prevent espionage um and then also like i mentioned before a lot of companies would rely on them to uncover employee wrongdoings um or to monitor workers in sensitive jobs right so that was all before 1998 and then after 1998, the Supreme Court was like, we can no longer use these and like as evidence. Um, or I think that it can be like supporting evidence, but it's it's not like hard and true facts. Like, it's not considered physical. I mean, obviously, it's not physical evidence, but it's like it's not considered strongly supported yes. by either side. Um, and on April 1st, 1998, the Washington Post released a news article about this, and a quote from the article said, The Supreme Court ruled yesterday that state and federal governments may ban the use of polygraph evidence in court, declaring that doubts and uncertainties remain about the accuracy of the so-called lie detector tests. Mm-hmm. And essentially what Leonard Sachs believes, um, and that's our psychologist, psychologist professor at Brandeis, is that essentially the polygraph test uh, just measures anxiety. Which like, I don't I don't need it. You can. So going back to my know. question about you already, whether or not you, already you, know whether or not you would take one, I, I think that you would fail it either way. Um, so... No, but that's that's interesting. Me and Matt are watching Homeland right now. We're in the last season of Homeland, and 
anytime there's like an internal issue because like she came from the cia and then she works mm-hmm. with a lot of different fbi agents and like i'm sure that we need a scripted show so like who knows if it actually pulls from accuracy within the agencies but like anytime there's like an internal issue or like um like one of the agents goes awol for a hot second and then comes back like there's always a polygraph test involved yeah at least like twice a season someone internally is getting a polygraph test taken I always think about, um, I always think about Meet the Parents. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, um, so basically, really quick, because I honestly don't know that people, well, I don't know, physically how it works in the most basic sense. Um, Oh, it does say supporters of polygraph tests claim that they're 85 to 95% accurate. I don't know. Critics will say that there's not enough evidence, but um, your polygraph test is measuring your body movements, but mainly your breathing, um, your sweat, so your perspiration and your pulse and blood pressure. So you get a blood pressure cuff that records your blood pressure on your arm. Have you ever seen like a picture of someone hooked up to it? So have a blood pressure um, cuff hooked up to them. And then you've got rubber tubes that are placed over your chest and your abdomen. And those are which I think are strictly just for show well it says they're actually recording your breathing so that's recording like your respiratory response to the pressure that you're under and then you've got two metal plates that are attached to your fingers and those actually record like how much you might be sweating under pressure and those are the kind of things what if you just have really overactive sweat glands like me in general then it's just not gonna be good for you i get men's degree from costco (laughs) yeah constantly sweating probably should not take a polygraph test then so yeah there was one case i saw i figured that you would get the information though um i forget the guy's name but it was like the main case that they used uh in the 1998 supreme court edward chafer yes this is set back in march of 1992 he was a respondent airman that or airman (laughs) stationed at march air force base in california um he had actually volunteered as an informant on drug investigations for the air force office of it's called special investigations so osi is what i'll I'll be referring to that as um so his osi supervisor told him that like you you will be submitting drug tests and you will be um like taken in for polygraph examinations and like i guess that's just part of, that's just part of being on that force but in early april of that year um one of the uh, which granted this is that's only like a month later uh one of the osi agents supervising him requested that he submitted a urine test and like ap- right after he submitted the urine test um but before the results of the test were like conclusive or before they came back so it's still like processing he agreed to take a polygraph test like immediately um which was administered by another osi examiner um and the opinion of the examiner from that test was that it it indicated quote no deception which means he passed it um that he responded denying ever using drugs since joining that force so basically he passed it saying that he had not been taking any drugs but um on april 30th he didn't show up for work and no one could find him on the base he was absent without leave until may 13th so like two weeks when an iowa state patrolman arrested him um 
going through like a routine traffic stop basically and held him for return to the base. He gets back and it turns out his urine test had come back positive in that time. Mm. So he took the test. Well, he took the urine test while it was processing, took a polygraph, passed the polygraph saying that he never taken drugs. And then like before the test came back uh, positive or negative, he just like fled the base. By the time he came back, like I said, his urine test had come back positive for methamphetamine. Um, and he was tried by a general court martial on charges of, there's four, and the last one's kind of funny, um, using methamphetamine, number one. Number two, failing to go to his appointed place of duty. Number three, wrongfully absenting, which I didn't know was a word, himself from the base for 13 days. And then the fourth one was, quote, uttering 17 insufficient funds checks. Hmm. So I don't really know how he would have gotten a hold of checks that were insufficient. <laughs> oh, wait, uttering them. So he, like, gave them out. Oh, yeah. No, so that's he wrote checks you. that were insufficient. Okay. Oh, okay. oh okay. Yes. That does make okay. sense. Okay. I thought it was funny, but now it's not funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> he testified at trial on his own behalf, um, relying upon a, quote, innocent in, in, ingestion theory. So he's saying that he, yeah, the test might have come back positive for methamphetamine. His urine test might have come back positive. But in theory, he was denying that he had ever knowingly used the drugs while working for the OSI. So um, he tried to introduce the polygraph as evidence in support of his testimony that he did not knowingly use drugs. But the military judge had denied the motion, um, relying on military rule of evidence 707. And I'm going to pull a quick quote from military rule of evidence 707 um this is just the portion that kind of pertains to this so it says notwithstanding any other provision of law the results of a polygraph examination the opinion of a polygraph examiner or any reference to any offer to take failure to take or taking of a polygraph examination shall not be admitted into evidence and that's in 1992 so your situation that you were talking about where this actually ends up it's it's in the later 90s, right? You said 98? 98. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was then um, convicted on all counts. And um, later on down the line is when the actual, because they, in 92 was when they decided to take polygraphs out of being admissible evidence for strictly just military trials. Mm -hmm. And 98 was when the U.S. Supreme Court took it out for all trials across the U.S. Got it. Um. But about Rule 707, removing all polygraph tests in the military trials, there was one quote that they had here that um, I thought was really interesting. It said, they are preserving the jury's core function of making credibility determin determinations in criminal trials. A fundamental premise of our criminal trial system is that the jury is the lie detector. Huh. I, thought that was, I thought that was powerful. Which I also sometimes... I know why. I, know. I get it. But, like, sometimes I'm like, these are people off the street, essentially. Yeah. Know. Our jury system, after Casey Anthony, I just really stopped believing. Oh, no faith. No, no, none. <laughs> like, no, I no longer, I no longer have There's faith so many. O.J. Simpson, like, but mm. I'm just also trying not to get killed or sued. So, love right. you, Juice. Yeah. Well, I found this website called The Polygraph Guy. Interestingly enough, I think that this website is 
I think you can like either sign up to take a polygraph test or like order one for somebody you know. What? I didn't really get clear on like how to do that. Oh my god, I need to I need to search and see if I can find a look up the polygraph, polygraph test guy. on Amazon. <laughs> well, yeah. So this basically I went into this website and it talked about like what to expect going into your test. I don't know if this is how all polygraph tests would work, but this was like the best one I could find for like explaining the actual procedure. Mm-hmm. So there's basically four steps. Um, and I would think that this would be fairly streamlined. Um, $86 you know, I... on Amazon. Oh, to buy one? Yes. <laughs> Do it. Um, so I could definitely think of some people I would like to take one. Oh my God, I'm going to put it on copper. Who um, dug the holes in the yard last night? <laughs> Tell the truth, bitch. <laughs> so they basically say there's four different sort of steps to completing their polygraph test. The first is a pretest interview. Okay. They explain to the interviewee how it works. They talk about the issue that's under investigation. So they're going to kind of tell you, here's why we're giving you this polygraph test. Your your girlfriend ordered this uh, because she thinks you're cheating on her or whatever the case <gasps> may be. I don't know. I would think there's some girls out there that have done this and vice versa. Um, and probably for good reason. <laughs> Honestly, honey, you don't need to give him a polygraph test. Girl, listen to your gut. He's probably cheating on you. You're not crazy. If and, you have to spend anyway. your money getting a polygraph test for somebody that you're skeptical about, just spend just that money it. on yourself. Yeah, exactly. Get it. you a mani-pedi and end that shit. So they review all of the questions that are going to be asked to them in advance. And which at first That's I was like, fair. well, but it says this step is considered the most lengthy and the most crucial because the examinee will take a position. They decide if they're going to be truthful or if they're going to lie. Oh, so in a way, how I does that really see, help either side, though? I don't know. It's just what it said. Uh, but I thought it was fascinating. I'm not going to use the other word. <laughs> the I word. <laughs> the I word. Um, so then during what they call chart collection, the question set's going to be asked um, to the interviewee, and there will be a 20 to 45 second pause in between each question in order to get a precise reading of the stimulus. And then the third step is analysis of the charts. The polygraphs are an analyzed by the interviewer, and as a control, they're also analyzed by another examiner. So that's why I said okay. earlier there might be two people, actually, that administer mm -hmm. the test. And then in the post-test post interview, the decisions of the polygraph exam um, are usually as follows. Either they are, like, basically three conclusions are, are possible. No deception indicated, which basically means the examinee was truthful. Um, they didn't lie. Deception indicated the examinee was not truthful about their responses um, to the issue under investigation or inconclusive. There is insufficient data gathered in order to make a professional judgment of the examinee's answers, which that seems pretty obvious. Either you right. lied, you didn't, or they're not right. sure. Um, there wasn't any kind of indication about how often things come back inconclusive, but I would be interested to know. So, I yeah. would be interested to see, like, you, like, if someone were to be administered a polygraph test with, like, a set of questions and then the next day or the next week have the exact same test taken by a different um, administrator, what the Here's results would thing. look like. And also, maybe, 
I don't know. I'm going to start sweating and having high blood pressure the minute you start talking about the issue at hand. Like, right. if my roommate gets murdered and they're like, we need you to come in and do a polygraph test because your roommate got murdered and I didn't kill my roommate, I'm going to start getting freaked out just because of the thought that my roommate was murdered. But maybe I would. Also... I would honestly probably go down the rabbit hole of like, holy shit, I was sleepwalking and what if I did it? <laughs> Yeah, you would. You'd like, like maybe it was me. You would just you would just accidentally confess to something you didn't do. That would be um, me. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I think we talked about this before with Carol Baskin. Like, yeah, her refusal to take a polygraph test. Like, I guess I get it. Although she doesn't seem like much phases her at all. She seems She's pretty just... even. She seems pretty even keel. She sounds like she could have been a victim on our last episode. Yeah, she does. Oh, definitely. Um, so I want to talk to you about a lady named Sonia Jacobs. Okay. Um, and really quick, I want to mention, so I got this source from a group of briefings on polygraph.org that included, and this is my one statistic I could find. They included, it's a briefing of 215 wrongful convictions that had been exonerated due to polygraphs. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so her name is Sonia Jacobs. She goes by Sunny, so that's what I'm going to call her. Uh, in 1976, and this is located in Broward County, Florida. So the very beginning of this is a little confusing just because there's a lot of people involved. So, um, stop me if I'm not making any sense, Julie. But, Mm -hmm. so there's Sunny. Um, there's a man named Jesse Tafaro, and Jesse is her boyfriend. Sunny and Jesse's 10-month-old daughter. And then Sonny's nine-year-old son, who is not Jesse's son. So um, it's Sonny, Jesse, the 10-month-old baby, and then the nine-year-old son. And then Jesse's friend, his name is Walter Norman Rhodes, is with them as well. Um, okay. And they're all on I-95, like I said, in Broward County in Florida. And they're actually sleeping in uh, Sonny's car at a rest stop on I-95. And the car is then, like, in the middle of the night, approached by a Florida Highway Patrol officer, which, like, he has every right. Like, obviously, if you see someone sleeping, in a, like, at a rest stop in a car, like, with a family, it's a little concerning. Yeah. So, um, his name is Philip Black, and he um, actually has a ride-along with him. So, his friend, um, Donald Irwin, who is a constable from Canada, which I guess is kind of... Um, in the range of like their what would be like their police officers up in Canada, they're good friends. So Donald was on a ride along with um, Philip Black when this was happening, and Sounds so like a fun time, right? So Philip, um, what if you were like Brandon? Can I do a ride along with you at work? <laughs> He'd be like, "You're absolutely not allowed." <laughs> um, so Philip Black, Officer Philip Black, goes to approach the car, um, and after he learns like via radio, I guess they had run his tags or ran someone's ID or something and found out that Walter Norman Rhodes was in the car. He found out that Rhodes had a criminal record. Um, There weren't a lot of details, but gunfire, gunfire started. Like there was a little shootout. Okay. Um, During this time, uh, Philip Black, the officer and his friend, Donald Irwin, the constable from Canada were killed. So the group then sped off in the patrol car. So they leave the car they're in, and they jump in the cop car, and they drive away. Seems like that was a bad idea. Yeah. 
So at a nearby apartment complex, Rhodes commandeered a car and kidnapped the man inside of it. His name was oh Leonard God. Levinson. Um, but they were all captured a little bit later when Rhodes lost control of the car in an attempt to, like, escape a police roadblock. Like, you're not... This isn't Hot Wheels. Yeah. Like... <laughs> this is real life, actually. You're on 95. Like, I don't know what you were expecting. So... Of all highways, it seems like a bad idea. I know. So, Sunny and Jesse maintained that they had no choice but to go along with Rhodes, with like, which, like, I totally believe them, because if you've got your two kids with you, and, like, yeah, maybe you've got this, like, guy that, that your boyfriend's friends with that's, like, a little rough around the edges, like, you wouldn't consider him a bad guy, but then all of a sudden he just, like, goes fucking crazy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in his way. I'm just yeah. gonna be like yeah sure like exactly keep me and my kids safe so um so basically after they had maintained that they didn't really have a choice and they just went along with it um there were two eyewitnesses that like neither of them had contradicted Sonny or jesse's stories um and their version of the story didn't contradict what they said by physical evidence so basically it's like it didn't really help them but it didn't like sway it the other way like it was just kind of like a neutral version of their stories right um but they did find gunpowder on jesse and rhodes's hands but there was none on sunny's hands so unfortunately sunny and jesse both get convicted um mm. the convictions of sunny and jesse like rested primarily on the testimony of rhodes who was allowed to plead guilty to a reduced charge of second degree murder and then sentenced to life in prison. But he didn't actually so, do it. No, that Rhodes, his the oh, friend. Oh, okay, okay, got it, got it, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Sonny and Jesse were convicted based on Rhodes's testimony after Rhodes's had already been tried and like convicted, basically. Oh my gosh. Or like sentenced at least. Um so he basically said in his testimony, Rhodes, he said he saw Jacobs in the backseat, which Jacobs is Sonny. I'm sorry. He said he saw Sonny in the backseat point a gun at the officers and then Jesse grabbed the gun and fired it, which is why there was no gunpowder on Sonny's hands, but there was gunpowder on Jesse's hands is huh. what Rhodes said. Okay. Um, in Sonny's case, though, the prosecution also presented the testimony of a jailhouse informant, Brenda Isham, um, who claimed that Jacobs um, had confessed while in her jail cell. So, I mean, I feel like people that come out of prison to testify, it's like, I don't know if I trust that all the time. Um, but... It was a really pub public trial for the time, and all prospective jurors acknowledged that they knew about the case. So they were all semi-biased. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's neither... not a thing now, right? Like, you're not even really supposed to know if you can Correct. help it. Yeah, and a lot of... I know with Casey of... Anthony, that was a really hard one. Wasn't it was it? hard. It was hard because her... The crime happened outside of St. Petersburg, but the trial, they took it to Orlando yeah. because not only was it more of like a secure um, and like larger um, courthouse, but it also was a different county. Cause sometimes they have to take 
trials outside of the originating county in order to get an unbiased jury. Right. Which is not what happened here because um, neither jury was sequestered. So they were completely biased and it was just not good. So the jury in Sonny's case recommended a life sentence, but you're going to love this. (laughs) Judge Daniel Futch Jr. imposed the... the death sentence, as he had done earlier in Jesse's case. Um, Futch is known, was known as Maximum Dan. He was a former Florida Highway Patrol trooper who kept a miniature replica of an electric chair on his desk. Oh, love that. Yeah. So basically, Jesse was convicted to um, the death penalty, and then, because his trial was first, and then Sonny's trial was next, and she was also convicted of the death sen- the death sentence, even though the jury had suggested just life in prison, like, don't give her the death penalty. Um, after the conviction, the defense learned that the prosecutor had withheld the fact that Rhodes is, like, criti- who who's a critical witness um, and had gunshot residue on his hands, had actually taken a polygraph examination, and that he told the examiner... Um, an answer that was a conflict with his testimony at trial. So an answer that was proven that was deemed correct under the polygraph, he gave a different answer at trial. So his testimonies were inconsistent. Um, in October of 1992, prosecutors gave Sonny a choice. They said, you can remain in custody awaiting a retrial on murder charges, or you can enter a plea that neither admitted guilt nor con- nor contested that the prosecution had enough evidence to win the conviction. Um, the prosecutor had justified the plea bargain for Sonny by falsely affirming that Rhodes had passed his polygraph when, in fact, he failed it. So um, he, quote, did not have a record of the questions asked. Hmm. So I'm like, where is this prosecutor now? And like, what? Like, wh- like, did he or she get fired? I need to we know need this to find. We need to find him. Um, I, I tried. I was trying to figure out who it was, and I couldn't find it. Um, but wow. by the time Sonny was released in 1992, Jesse had um, unfortunately been executed. Uh, Walter Rhodes remained in prison, convicted of two murders, while Jesse was wrongfully executed. Rhodes was parlored from prison in 1994... And absconded after his release, um, he will be extradited to Florida for a hearing on his parole violation. Um, But basically, if police had followed the guidance of their own polygraph exam, the wrongful convictions, and then the execution of Jesse would likely not have happened. Um, What is really sad and interesting, there's two different things that are really interesting about this case, other than the fact that this is just awful. Um, But... I think we've mentioned Old Sparky before, but that is in Stark, Florida. That's um, actually the electric chair. Old Sparky is the electric chair's, like, nickname. And that's um, where Ted Bundy was executed. Yes. But Jesse was actually executed by Old Sparky on May 4th of 1990. And on that day, it malfunctioned. Oh. And it caused six-inch flames to shoot from his head. Because the execution team had used a synthetic sponge rather than a sea sponge on his head for the conductivity. Wait, so that's worse? Yeah. Like, oh no. So, rumors say that this inspired this incident actually inspired Stephen King's Green Mile, 
Do you remember that scene? Yes. So I yes. was going to say, when you said it malfunctioned, I was hoping that you would say, like, it didn't work. <laughs> oh, no. Malfunctioned um, in wish. a bad way. Yeah. I wish. Yeah. Um, really, really sad. But um, this is actually one of the cases that forced the state of Florida to begin using lethal injection and then steer away from electrocution. I mean, that's the right move. It's the right move. It just shouldn't have happened that way. Like, it yeah. shouldn't have taken an innocent man to be lit on fire for seven minutes while he was painfully dying that is for horrifying. you to realize that you should be using lethal injection. Yeah. Damn. Such a happy story. I know. I feel so great about life. <laughs> this so, really helped my anxiety. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Which brings me back to, you have no business taking a polygraph test ever. What? You have no business ever taking a polygraph test. You will. Neither do it. you. Yeah, I know. I I, I never want to get this one off Amazon. And just order it and. There, if there's a place I could go to just get one and not have to pay for it, polygraph test. I think you definitely have to pay for it anywhere you go. I saw somewhere online it said polygraph test administers, administrators, whatever. They make about $58,000 a year, so that's actually not so bad. Hey, if you end up having to make a career change, Elizabeth. <laughs> I mean, at the rate we're going. Yeah. It might actually be something you really enjoy. I have always said that I really kind of want to go be like a field investigator for FBI. I think it takes a long time to get to that. Yeah, I know. But you're young. You're a youngin. <laughs> you can do it. I'm in a wrong line of work. <laughs> the only thing I know how to do is detect human trafficking while serving a table at a restaurant. <laughs> you know what? That's important, though. It that is, is important. very important. And you've got that hotline to call and everything. Yes, I do. Were you able to find one, a free polygraph test, or no? does not exist, probably. Um, I found Yellow Pages, best four polygraph, and the four is a number. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Seems good. I don't, I don't trust it. <laughs> Julie, well, would you ever take a polygraph test? No. Absolutely not. Under any circumstance would I ever take a polygraph test. Unless it was for fun, but if it was... There was an actual crime involved. I'm just going to incriminate myself, even if I didn't do anything, because I'm such a nervous person. And I'm a really bad liar. You really don't need a polygraph test to tell if I'm lying. You don't. No. Same with I'm me. I'm, like, literally a horrible... Yeah, you're actually also a really bad liar. I would be really... Like, I would honestly... I'd probably, like, really try to lie, and I would, like, try to make it all smooth, and then, like... Two more questions in, I would just start crying. I'd be like, can we go back to that first question? Because I was like, I was lying. <laughs> like, I would, it would just I be lied. Can I change my answer? Lied. And I'd be so like, sorry. yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a good liar. I would not. But, I, I mean, there are people, I'm sure they can get away with it. Just not me. I feel like lawyers would be good at this. Maybe. I don't know. If you've ever taken a polygraph test... I would love to hear your story. We want to hear about it. I'm honestly fascinated. Know. Yeah. Like, because are the people that administer it nice? Are they kind? Do I'm they sure give you a nice little, they give you a little Capri Sun right I'm before f- it starts? <laughs> You're thinking of blood work, Elizabeth. And that's after you get your blood work done. God, that's almost worse. Yeah, it is. Um, well, send us an email at spaghettiheadspodcast at outlook.com. We got, another, we got another embarrassing story in our inbox. We're almost there. Holla. This is very so, exciting. But we are always taking more. Send them to spaghettiheads 
spaghettihitspodcast.look.com. Follow us on Instagram at spaghettihitspodcast. Follow us on Twitter, spaghetti underscore heads. Um, if you have any requests for herstory herpier. Oh, yeah. I just said herpy. <laughs> <laughs> for history happy hour, please send them our way. Just the one. <laughs> just, just the just, one. Just, the Just a herpes. singular herpes. <laughs> HSV one. <laughs> that was really funny. Oh, um, that's okay. what we're gonna start calling it. Every time now I get a cold sore, I'm just gonna go. I have a herpes. I guess I have a herpes. Uh, just just a herpes. Herpes. It's just, just one herpes. Just, just, just. It's always right. my favorite when my when I get my. <laughs> annual call from my gynecologist and she's like now now we got your results back and I'm like yes I know bitch I get cold sores you're not gonna scare me and she's like oh thank god also if you've ever had the chicken pox I'm like yeah this is like 95 yes, percent of people it's really gonna be okay her nurse is, is also a very nervous young woman and oh. honestly you probably should not take a polygraph test either she's adorable and cute anyways oh. so cheers to that uh Maybe um, we could go do an escape room that forces you to take a polygraph test. Post-coronavirus. What if, what, no, what, what if we just had Brandon and Matt set up an escape room in one of our houses? <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it. And then one of them has to administer, no, no, Murphy has to administer the, the polygraph. Oh, yeah. I'm just imagining him sitting there with like, glasses on the bridge of his snoot mm -hmm. yep and he's like now i so, tell you you so lie you're saying me. brown is your last name you really want to go with that answer yeah mom <laughs> uh, i'll be like yeah it's technically not yet you're right okay. all right so cheers cheers <laughs>